Abba Yahweh, thank you for this opportunity again to be up with you, to have time with you, to spend time with you in, in your truth, knowledge, and wisdom, Father, that you share with me so that I can share it to anyone else. And for those that have an ear, to let them hear the words that I speak that are your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Father, let them hear. Let them listen and hear, but listen and seek. Hear what I speak. Listen to the words and seek your face. Seek your truth. Seek your knowledge, Father. Thank you, Father God, for letting me spread the seeds to let me be the sower for the fields, Father God. And that we can plant these seeds and we can draw more in, Father. Thank you, Father God, for your truth in this time, your teaching. So the Holy Spirit has roused me up early again. Okay. I don't mind that sometimes it's a uh, I get there, we start going, and then he starts to fill my mind with these thoughts in my mind. I love, I love this time. There were, and sometimes I'm, I'm sure that there are folks out there that get like this. You yourselves may often find yourselves there early morning hours. You get up and you might go to the restroom, get a glass of water or something, and then you can't get yourself back to sleep and or you can't fall asleep. And then your mind starts reeling of what you're going to do in the day. What's got, what's this coming? What's that coming? What's this coming? What's that coming? You know, this and this and this and this and that and that. Well, I don't do any of that. What's really enjoyable is that my Lord makes his presence known to me. And then we spend time. I start thinking about the word. I start thinking about the day. and But in the day as it is his day. See, this is his day. This is Sunday. We are called to the house of the Lord. Today is a special day set aside for worship. Thank the Lord for the day. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And that comes from before you get the day started that you come to the Lord with thanksgiving. You offer that as your sacrifice to him for the day that you are taking from your first fruit, the beginning of your day and offering to the Lord as a tithe for that day. And you offer those words up and you be in prayer to him. That's where I start my day. Am I going out? Am I coming in? I've shared with you before. You are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Well, that's how you go out to begin whatever your day is going to be. Begin in prayer. Begin in thanks and for whatever comes. And that the Lord has already walked this day. If you are a true believer, that you know that the Lord already knows what's in store. And you know what's coming. He knows what's coming. You might not know. But he's going to be with you through whatever it is. It's a, it's a great thing. And then when I come in at night and I get ready to lay myself down to go to sleep, I pray again. Your peace, your rest, because God is one of his names. It's in that list of names that I shared with you. Our Lord is Shalom.
Lord of my peace. And, and a Jewish greeting, um, you know, Sunday morning, Shabbat Shalom, you know, day of prayer, Shalom, peace. And when they greet one another, the greeting is of peace, Shalom, Shalom. God of peace, peace with you today. And when they depart, shalom. And I'm trying to practice that more and more that my greeting and my departure for individuals. Shalom, shalom. My God of peace, peace. And when I depart, I want them to have peace. And I think that's an important thing. Not that I'm trying to be Hebrew. I just think that it's important that we follow the word and we do that thing which we are directed to do. Be more like Jesus. What was Jesus? Jesus was full of peace. And that being said, the word that I'm going to share that the Holy Spirit brought to me and I got this thinking around after my daily reading. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read directly from this in part. But um, what we need to practice doing and, and remember to be a good Christian, it just doesn't happen because God blows his breath on you and waves his hand and, and now you're a good Christian because you accepted Jesus Christ as his only begotten son. Doesn't work that way. God doesn't work like you see all these little magic shows and all these things wave the hand and poof now you're now everything is perfect in your life. It does not work that way, and it doesn't work that way because we do not live in a perfect place. We do not live in the world that God intended for us to live in. If God and if we're living in the world that God intended for us to live in, we would be living in Eden. It would be a very Edenic society, and it's not. Why? Because man fell. Because the devil came in and man chose to follow what the devil enticed them to do instead of following the word of God. Instead of obeying our father, we chose to obey the rabble-rouser and fall into his little woven trap, the apple. And these choices that have been made by mammon, and I, I share these people, I, it just, um, it's intriguing in a way because so many people I heard were, I, I lived in some other places in this country. I, I lived in the state of Missouri for about, uh, oh goodness gracious, how long was I there? 12, 14 years, 16 years, I lived there. And uh, I stayed there because my father's born in very Missouri, raised in Missouri, and I thought he was going to retire and, and come there. But then I found out that my father had cancer growing in him and he couldn't make the trip. And he went home. But there are places in Missouri, they live in a place called the Bottoms. And the Bottoms are a very rich place to grow and very fertile land because... Ever so often, the river will spill out, and then you have all the, um, oh, now I forgot the word. I almost said it, and I forgot. But anyway, it's uh, all the fish leavings and all that 
that they have, and it comes up. It's very fertile. And, um, <clears throat> but the problem is that there's a cyclic flood in that plain because it is a flood plain. And the river will overflow and rise and flood some of the homes. Some of the homes are totally, completely ruined because of flooding. But it's something that is happens cyclic. It is a cyclic occurrence. And the people know that, but they keep moving back in and they rebuild. And... It's a choice that they've made. They keep going back there and back there and back there. Not just planting there, but they build their home there. Or their house or their residence. They keep building and rebuilding and going back in there. And then you have people that whine and cry. And why is God doing this to them? Why is God allowing this? Well, first of all, God is, it's happening because they keep going back to the same place. They keep putting themselves in that way. So... Folks tend to blame God for so much going on down here when it's their own choice. It's just like I shared with you that program. What was that? Uh, oh, the shack, where the young man was uh, and met God, met Jesus, and met the Holy Spirit, and they appeared to him in the way that was designed for him, his heart to understand and be able to to deal with them on there. But he was so upset because he didn't want to forgive, so he usurped our sovereign Lord God and took his throne of judgment from him and put himself back in there and decided that he wasn't going to do it. And you have to be careful when you do that. You want to sit down here and shake your fist and blame God for certain things, but if you take a look and you examine it, you're going to see that it is mammon who is twisting and causing the issue and the problem. Okay, let's go to a different natural occurrence, something that happens down here all the time. And you have the tornadoes. You have an area in this country, it's called Tornado Alley. It's known because the conditions are just right for them to, and they come through that way. And because of the jet stream and the flow and the weather flow and all that stuff, people know that. People are aware of that. They've been aware of it for decades, for generations they've been aware of that. And they keep going right back to the same area. They put big old towns right there. They they build out there and they live in these areas. And then people want to shake their hands and fists at God and say, why did you do this? Why did you allow that whole town to be, you know, God didn't, God didn't do anything except sit on his throne and love and want you to be guided and protected, but you choose to do these things. He made us a creature of a free will choice. It's just like this thing that he gave us. He gave us, we are the only creatures that God created and gave us uh, forethought and pre-planning. He gave us that capability, but we, in turn, have twisted and perverted it and turned it into something that becomes angst and worry. We worry about all these things that are coming and that, you know, we get our daily planner book and we write out all this stuff in days and days and days and days in advance. We fill out a whole month's calendar, daily planner. They have books called a daily planner. Oh my gosh. And now I realize what this is for. And, and it's a very subtle a very subtle imposition by Satan 
on us. And this is the way he functions. He is a very tactical operator. He is very much so. And you must be aware that these little things are his way of getting into our lives and getting our lives twisted toward where he wants to guide them to. And people will take those pre, those daily planners. And I have, I've known people this way and I've seen people this way. And they think that they have to see his thought processes. They have to do it. They have to feel this way. And Oh, I'm an important guy. I'm a mucky muck and I have to have it filled this way. I used to know people that were like that when I was in the military. They started making those back then, actually. They were a little bit different. They weren't as kind of nice as they are now. And of course, people have the electronic device that they have. And they have all these things that are pre-planned out and they, they have this stuff out for months in advance. And I shared with you before that now my answer has changed so much from what it used to be. Oh, you know, I got this thing I'm doing. I got this uh, for next week on, on such and such a day and such and such a time. And and uh, you'd be able to come and help. You know what, brother? Lord willing, I'll be there for you. I'll be there and help you. And that's the best answer I'm going to give them. They don't think, I, I may not make it to that time. Tomorrow is not promised. God tells us in his word, Tomorrow is not promise. It is not a promise given thing. It is not a sure thing. And so many people, even those that call themselves Christians, take for granted that we're going to get up in the morning and we're going to have the day. Might go to bed. It might be your last breath. God says, it's time to come home. I don't want you to be down there anymore because things are getting really pretty shag nasty and I just don't want you involved in that. Time to come home. I want you to come home. But people take for granted and they think that tomorrow is a sure thing. They're going to go to bed, they're going to get up and they're going to start their day and it's all over again. And I've heard people talk that way. Oh boy, here we go, all over again. The rat race. And they call it the rat race. Well, my days aren't like that so much anymore. I had some things going on and I've got things going on still and now that, and I didn't plan to be in the, in this position I'm in. I didn't look for this to happen, but as I've shared with you before, um, some things that I should have done differently and didn't, but now I'm living that consequential life. And I'm not greatly disturbed about that. I'm not going to live in that what I should have, could have, and ought to have done, or should have, would have, and could have done. I can't live that way. And that's where Satan wants us to live. And that's called a life of regret or remorse. And then you get resentful, you get griping. I'm not going to live there. I have the forgiveness that I have. I have the love that I have. And you know what? It's a step forward. And we need to go keep going that way. Now I'm going to get into the reading and we're going to get into some history lesson here. Really great. What we have to do every day and morning is... Do that thing I, I shared with you. Pray to God. Offer that first fruits before you get out into the end of the day. And that first fruit is a sacrificial praise offering. Thank him and praise him before you get up out of bed. And what first fruits are you talking about? You didn't get up and do anything. Yes, 
but you drew breath. You drew the breath that God gave you and he gave it to you first. Without him breathing into your lungs, without his grace and his mercy, you don't continue the day. And your day is not a promised day. Tomorrow is not yours guaranteed. So that being said, thank God. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your breath to start this day. I thank my God before I get out of bed and start the course of activities of the day. And you hear how I pray when I come here. He's offered me and given me another opportunity to be about his business. And this is what I thank him for. Why? Because I asked him for this. I asked him. I asked God. I said, God, share your knowledge and your wisdom with me so that I can bless other people and I can share with them and help to clarify things and teach and edify. Remember, edification is uplifting. Uh, it just doesn't, it's just not pouring out information. Edification is to lift you up, to help you stand up and, and have understanding and clarity. And that's what I, I am in my father's business to do that thing. It's a really great place. And I am blessed so much and the devil wants to take that away from me oftentimes. And I'm wrestling it every day. But here's the thing. I thank God for that. Why? Because that tells me, I'm getting a little signal light that tells me that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it really bothers him. So he sends his minions to come up and agitate and, you know, take things and have me worry about this stuff that's going on around me. And is that going to help it go away? No. Is my Lord going to be with me? Yes. Is he going to have my hand? Yes. Is he going to uplift me? Yes. And he does. And that's what I, what we all need to focus on and think about, not what the devil wants us to think about. And you get those pre-planned, those, those daily planners, they get so chock full of stuff on pre-planning everything. And you fill the, you fill the month up with plans and everything to do. Why? Remember Jesus talked to and one of his lessons that he's teaching us and when he was talking about how you think about, oh, we're going to go to this city. We're going to stay here so much. We're going to make money. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And you pre-plan that whole trip. And people do that on vacations when they leave to relax and have downtime. It's all pre-planned. They have everything lined up for the whole thing. And they are so consumed with filling up time. One thing that I did, and I, I absolutely loved it, is, is I took a cruise. And they have all these excuses and all this stuff. But I didn't fill the calendar up with all these plans and everything to go and do all that. I just did. There were a couple things that intrigued me, and I, I took part. But mostly what I did is I just relaxed. Oh, my gosh. It was so beautiful. They had, you could sit in the in the uh, great, they had giant bay windows everywhere, and you could actually sit in them and read and they had bookshelves everywhere and the and the library specifically you could go and enter the library it was so awesome it was beautiful just downtime and just on the beauty and majesty that the lord took and he put this stuff out there to share and enjoy and he shared it with me and i was doing that and it was awesome Thank you, Father. 
And it's not, uh, and see, the devil wants you, he loves for you to think, and he tries to get you to feel it. Remember, I've shared this with you. You can only feel guilty if you allow it. So one of his great tactics is that he likes you to feel guilty about taking time to spend and just downtime. Just sitting down, taking time, and you meditate on God, maybe pray a little bit, read a little bit, and you just take that down quiet time. But during that quiet time, you take an opportunity and you pray and you talk to God and you focus on on that relative issue with him. Well, Satan wants you to feel guilty about it, and people do that. Oh, man, I I can't afford to take down any downtime. I can't take afford to take time off for him to do this and, and, and not be doing this or that. And that. Really? You can't afford to take time to spend with God? You can't afford not to. You get so wrapped up in everything that goes on around you and you get so in with all those things. And I've seen people that are working in a church. And here, what do they do? They whip out the day planner. And it's chock full. Every single day is chock full from the first of the month to the end of the month. And then they start flipping pages. And they're starting to fill up the second and third month and going in. And they fill this all in for things to do. Our Lord told us not to be that way. Why? Because it starts to make us feel anxious and agitated. We get filled with angst and, and then we start reacting to people in a manner that we would not normally do. And I have seen more, I've seen those people more and they don't smile a lot. Their faces, you know, once in a while you get with one that doesn't, isn't so caught up in that and I'll, I'll get to it when I can. And they, they decide that they don't want to be that way. But most of the people that I see, their face is drawn to, into this tight knot and their faces look like a frown. Rarely do they smile. And they get so caught up in all this stuff. I've shared with you before that Saul almost missed his anointing to be king. And where did they find him? They found him in his treasure room. They found him in his in his dry larder down there with all his jewels and things that he had taken from conquering enemies. And he almost missed his anointing because he was sitting in a pile of his stuff, so consumed by his stuff. Are we so consumed with our stuff that we don't have time for God? Oh, that needs to be readjusted. We need to wait and trust in our hope. And our hope, as my reading was, was talking about, it's intricately woven, the, our, our golden thread or golden rope. And I, I love this thing that God brought to me, this podcast I shared with you. If you hadn't heard it, I'm going to do it again. So I'm looking for this how to do this because it was advised that I should do this. I think it was, eh, didn't matter what I thought. God took this and I couldn't find this thing because in researching on how to do it, 
it was quite expensive to get started. I can, I'm, I'm an old broker. I, I don't have any money to, to afford to buy the sound equipment and editorying and a editorial and editing and production and, and equipment and this and that and the other and all this stuff, this and this and this and this and that and that. Well, I didn't. <laughs> so I gave it up and I, I sat down and talked to God. I said, God, if this is what you, if you condone this and you think this is a better way or a good way for me to get your word out to more people and you make it happen. Yeah. I humbly and boldly went to my Heavenly Father, I said, thank you for this opportunity. Your knowledge and wisdom in this, you make it happen. You make it so. A little while later, and you know, same day, just not not too long, I went back to, the, and I know it was the same page because all these headings and all these tabs on all these things were the same, but there was something new there. There was a little purple square with that golden rope and a squiggly on it. What does that tell me? Well, first of all, purple is a color of royalty. And then just like it was right here, we have, we're waiting on God, we're trusting God, having faith in him and, and hoping the future that our Lord comes as he told us he is and hold on to that hope. And those are woven together with this golden rope, golden thread, woven together. And those are bound together and those strands are interwoven to make that strong rope that strong attachment to our anchor. And our anchor is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when things get troublesome or things are going on here, you grab that strong rope, that golden rope, and you pull on that to draw you back toward where we should be, that haven of truth, knowledge, and wisdom of the Lord God Almighty. And where does it take us? If we're pulling on that and our boat starts to move, you takes you right back into the word of God. And that has to be, that is central. And faith in God is that main, is the main core of that golden strand that we hold on to. Faith in God. Can't have faith in mammon. And, and this is where part of this issue came is, is, um, I don't want it to sound like a complaint, but it's truthful. So I'm going to share it and God's going to allow it. He's already, he just told me. So I was putting faith in and, and, and due to this injurious thing that took place and, and been out of work. But because I was putting or having faith in this insurance company that they were going to take care of as they were supposed to and then come to find out they haven't. I haven't had any income for months, but they were supposed to take care of it. And they told me that they would do this. I have assurances, not insurance, but assurances, so-and-so, such-and-such, yes, 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 and then come to find out they haven't done anything. But what was that? That was because waiting on mammon, 
and putting a trust or a faith in mammon and they failed. They failed. But God does not fail. When he promises, it may not be in our timing, and we sit there tapping our foot and looking at our watch, in his time, because he knows when is best and what is best. And that's okay. So, but what do I do? I don't, I'm not going to get agitated because this is where the devil wanted to try to persuade me to go in is to uh, repeatedly lean on that and then gripe and, and be regretting and re resentful and agitated. But see, that's not where I belong. I don't belong there. Faith and trust in God and holding on to that golden rope. But that central core, it, it is strong. And that needs to be our strongest. Trust. Trust is what? Faith in God. Seek from God, not from mammon. And mammon will fail miserably. For if you continually seek from mammon what you can only get from God, you will be sorely and greatly disappointed every single time. Trust in God, faith in God, he will deliver, and he does. Too many times I have seen through the course of my life, too many times, too often do I see and I've shared that word with you before, empirical evidence. Evidence that I cannot dispute because it's there and it basically, it's got this great big neon flashing lettering on it. It says, I am with you. Wow. I am with you. Always. I am with you. Always. And he promises that. And that that truth is there. And we need to just learn how to hold on and wait in God with that trust and a faith in him. And David talks about waiting on the Lord. In the book of Isaiah, he talks about they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Whew. Renewing that strength. You get down, you get caught. And what happens when you get, get all that day planner all filled up and you start running amok? That's what it is. You're just running amok. You're not even, sometimes it's like you're, you're, um, you have this passage that you're trying to move down and it's got all these, poles, these metal posts that are stuck into the floor and you're trying to get through there, but they're so close that you can't just go through in a clear path and you're bouncing off one, you bounce into another one, then you bounce into another one, and you slam into the wall. And that's what happens when you fill this day planner full of all this stuff you got going on. Then you get all caught up in anxiety and you get all caught up in the rush of all these things and you're bouncing and pinging off of stuff left and right as you go down the hallway and you can't miss these things because they're, they're there. And if you just empty that day planner and you 
just trust in the Lord and you walk with him. And we trust in him and we walk with our eyes focused on him and our thought on him. And then all of a sudden you, you look over your shoulder in that passage and you see those things are still there, but then you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute. I just walked straight through there and I didn't hit anything as if they were all gone. You look back and they're still there. Wow, it's like looking back at that storm. Instead of hunkering down and pulling your collar up and just sitting there and whining, man, the hail, that wind and that rain, I'm, I'm getting soaked here. Instead of just continually walking and holding that strong right hand of God who holds his hand over you to shelter you from all that. And then you look back over your shoulder and you see that storm cloud looks like a man's hand way off in the distance. It's like Elijah was on top of the mountain. He told his protege to look out there on Caramel. I look out in the distance and there's that rain cloud like a man's hand, but then it comes closer and Why? Because he called the rain. God told him to do that and he did it. So if we have our eyes on the Lord and focus on him, we go through the course of that day and all that garbage. All you have to do is go through this stuff. But if we say, I trust you, God, and then we still stay wrapped up in all those things, just like in this place that I'm at now, I was so worried about it and trying to figure it out and praying about it, but then what was I doing? I was going back and picking up the worry and fussing, trying to figure it out. And I just said, God, this is where you want me to be and you know what I need and you you know that i got to have this. And he brought us here. Very comfortable. And my companions, they're very comfortable. And they are enjoying being here. I'm enjoying being here. Very quiet, not like where I was before. Hunting and searching and found what I could get. But when we go through these things that we're going through and we really have focus and faith in God, not just doing it and then continually picking up and grabbing and trying to fix it anyway, which I'm praying through because through this situation that I'm in, I have to pray to make sure that I'm not doing that, that I'm way and and doing things and, and guidance. And if I'm doing something to promote forward motion that I'm doing it in his way and doing it with him and not just doing it on my own. So in our hope in our Lord and hope in the God, it's what this term I like in Maria and said is future directed. So when you hope in things and you have faith in God, that hope is future directed that you're not just staying stagnant and everything, you're moving forward. You're pressing forward to that thing that God tells us that we have. And that thing that we have is to be heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. And he does this because we are his, we are his children. And while we sit waiting for something to progress or perhaps... uh, 
it's in in line with what we're doing with the with the work or whatever. Instead of just sitting there idly waiting, we wait with that trust in God, and we can be in His Word. We focus on Him. We talk to Him. He likes to talk to us. Conversation with God. You don't have to take up a prayer posture and be all this. And and please don't be so foolish that so there are many that claim to be Christian that are absolutely foolish about prayer. They, you have to pray a certain way. You have to talk to God a certain way. You have to be in a certain prayer posture when you talk to God. Well, guess what? No, you don't. Because God likes to talk to his children. There are times when you do present yourself before God in a certain manner and that you should possibly be kneeling and that you worship him in a way but he doesn't require a prayer posture out of us every single time. Go through the course of my day and it wouldn't be appropriate to take up a, up a uh, you know, to be prostrate on the ground and, and think, I can't do that. I <laughs> People that rely on me to get them around places, they would be wondering about what am I doing, throwing myself down on the floor with my eyes closed and, you know, to... But we stay in prayer continually. You can be in prayer talking to God while you're at work and you can find a quiet place if you want a a quiet place to set aside or you can just go through the course of the day and you talk to God with your mind. Your mindset is focused on him. You stay focused on him and you do so. You can hear that. And... I'm going to share some scripture with you in, in John, um, John 14. One, do, don't let your hearts be troubled, that you trust in God and also trust in me. This is Jesus is talking to us and John is sharing this. So if you trust and have faith in our Lord God Almighty, then you trust and have faith in Jesus Christ, who is part of God and came for us. Remember, if we see God, if we see Jesus, we see God. If we know Jesus, we know God. Jesus told us that, and it's in the Bible. He tried to get the Sanhedrin to understand that, and he totally dismissed it. And what I'm sharing, and David wrote it in the book of Psalms, talking about waiting on the Lord in Psalm 27:14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. And we have Paul writes when he's writing to the church of the Hebrews. Remember that a lot of these things that were going on, Paul was writing to them to try to uplift them and to encourage them because many of the churches that were established were surrounded by pagan rituals and trust. And there were, there were um, certain members of the Hebrews that actually went to that. They were worshiping false idols and all this and, and things were going on and they were kind of, the churches were surrounded with all this going on. And he was trying to write and encourage them. And I'm going to, uh, in Hebrews six eighteen through 20, uh, share this, that God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain 
where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And that's kind of confusing some people, and it was to me, and the Holy Spirit took me on a little journey. And describing this, that exactly the way it's written in here, there was a time when the high priests were the only ones allowed to go into the inner sanctuary. And it was, there was a very tall tapestry curtain that separated the uh, holy of holies from the rest of the congregation. And the only one that could go beyond that veil was the high priest. And when, remember what he told the woman at the well, and this is what they were talking about. He was talking about that veil being torn in and when Jesus was crucified, what happened to every single temple? Every temple that had the separation of the Holy of Holies from the congregation was torn from top to bottom. It was ripped from top to bottom. And he was telling her, he said, soon there will come a time when you will be able to worship God anywhere at any time and you yourself you don't have to go to that temple and they weren't allowed to go to the temple in Jerusalem which was the 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 temple quote unquote but that's where the high priest would take care of business for them and uh, their little synagogue that they tended to is like a little a little town small town church well you don't have to go to that great big old temple and he told her, you can be able to worship God anywhere. As long as you come to God in spirit and truth, you can go to him yourself. You don't need that high priest to go beyond that curtain. And here Paul is reminding us of this. We have that hope. And that anchor for our soul, that hope is in Jesus Christ. Firm and secure, he enters the inner sanctuary behind that curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so now you're saying, well, who is this guy Melchizedek? Okay, some people might want to pronounce it Melchizedek, but you have to remember that the Hebrew pronunciation is a little different than what ours is. So CH is more like a kind of what you would call a soft K sound. And... In order to find out who this guy is, and this is this is actually, you're going to see an illustration of Jesus. And you can find out about Melchizedek in uh, Genesis. Not the first the Bible, book of the Bible, but the first one recorded in that numerical sequence. You will find in Genesis 14, and actually what you will find is, and I'm going to read to you in Genesis 14. Now remember, remember that thing I share with you? Regula Pidele, Latin for rule of faith. And a rule of faith is what? That we read this book 
God's book from the front cover to the back cover and back cover to the front cover. So now we were in Hebrews and Paul's letter to the Hebrews. And then he mentions this fellow Melchizedek and he likens our Lord to being like him. Oh, wait a second. I thought Jesus was like God. This is just a verbal illustration. Understand, you'll understand here. I'll clarify it for you in case you don't. But in Genesis 14, 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem. Now, this is a stylized version. When you read it, it looks like it says Salem. Um, it's a stylized version of uh, the Hebrew word Shalom. What is Shalom? Salat Shalom, Shalom, Shalom. God, peace, God, peace be with you or peace be with you. Shalom, shalom, when they say hello, it's shalom when they say goodbye, shalom. So it is also one of the characteristic names of God. Remember, I've shared this with you that, um, that the names that are given to God are characteristic of God. They're not just something to describe them, they're... They're his character. God is love. God is our hope. We have faith in him. We trust in him. But all these names are given to him. I, I read the list to you. I'll, I'll just give you a little brief right there. But a name that is given to God is Nisi. Lord, my banner. Rafa. Lord, my healer. Rohi. Lord, my shepherd. Sabbat, Lord of hosts. Shalom, Lord of my peace. Shama, Lord is present. Yahweh, maker of all things made. Anyway, back to Hebrews, chapter 14. I'm going to start in 17, actually, and then we'll, we'll meet Melchizedek. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kaldormer. And the kings that were with him at the valley of Shedev, Shedda, which is the king's dale. Now, what they're talking about here is they're talking about when Abram went because his brother Lot had been kidnapped and taken and was prisoner and bound up and they took everything he had. So Abram went to rescue him. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, or Shalom, Salem, peace, the name of the town, township, that, or where he was, the city that he was the head of, brought forth bread and wine. Wow. Interesting there. Take, take note of this picture. And he was the priest most high of most high God. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. So this Melchizedek guy, this, this fellow, he was not only the king, he was the high priest. So why is Paul talking about Jesus, our high priest, forever in the order of Melchizedek because Jesus is called 
and given the name King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And did he not at the Last Supper break bread with the disciples? Did he not break the bread and fish at the feeding, at the one feeding of the families, the head of the houses, numbering in 5,000, then with their wives and their children, so that the number actually was much greater than 5,000 because, again, I share this with you. The men, as they counted culturally, would be the men were the head of house, so there were 5,000 of them. Then they brought their wives and their children. They wanted to hear teaching from Jesus. So now you add to the 5,000, you add their wives, now you have 10. And if they had one child, then you have to add 5,000 more. Now you got 15. But if they had two children, now you're up to 20. So you increase with each additional member of the family. And it was quite common, actually, that most families had four children. That was a common number. So the number that Jesus fed was actually way more. Culturally, they say 5,000 because the men were numbered as the head of the house and they sat down in that group. But not only did he bless by breaking the bread and the fish, but they collected more back. Wow, powerful. But I bring that up because Melchizedek came out and in those days, the kings or the heads of the, the town, the cities, they were... They were warriors in those days. They had to be. And they just didn't sit back in and send out the guys and wait back there and say, okay, when you go beat up those, you come back and let me know. Or, you know, he just sat there and then whoever they were fighting decided to overrun his guys and they would come in and take over the city, ransack it and everything else. And, you know, but it didn't work that way. When, when they were in that position, they went out and they led the troops. Jesus is coming back, but not coming back as the sacrificial lamb as what he was before. But he is coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is coming as the conquering king that he is. And he is also our high priest because he is an intercessory prayer for every single one of us all the time in heaven. And when the accuser tries to point his finger, Jesus is praying over us every day. The Bible tells us that he prays for us daily to our Father. And he loves us. He cares for us. We are heirs and joint heirs with him in the kingdom of heaven. And when he comes back, he's coming as our king, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the entourage is not going to be this little paltry thing to chase off the Romans. It is going to be the hosts of heaven are coming and they will have heavenly, holy fire all about them. Their swords will be flaming swords and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord of Lords, that name that is given to him. When he told our father, it is finished. I finished my chore that I came to do. It is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. 
because he's not finished. He's coming back. But what he came to do, that chore, uh, he came as a sacrificial lamb then. And just like John the baptizer described him when he saw him coming, when John was in the, in the river and he was baptizing those coming to, to have water baptism, and he looked up and he saw Jesus coming and he said, behold the lamb of God. Now we're going to see when we hear that trump sound and we hear the cry and that shout from heaven and the, the heaven, the firmament will split and we will see the host of heaven pouring out. And who is going to be leading them? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, my Lord Jesus. And coming back as he promised, he's going to come. Wow, that is a powerful visage right there. But follow the rule of faith because many times you will read in the New Testament or in, in the later books. And if you go back, you will see Jesus appear in the Old Testament. Just like that right there. Paul is talking to the Hebrews. He's writing that letter to the Hebrews, but he's talking about them. And he said, in the order of Melchizedek. Well, that's because Melchizedek was a king. He was also a priest and he came out and he brought wine and bread and he broke it and he blessed it. He blessed Abraham. Blessed him. And this is what the Lord did with the loaves and fishes. He broke it and he blessed. And at the Last Supper, before he was taken to be crucified and be that sacrificial lamb, what did he do with his students, the disciples? He broke the bread and he poured the wine and they ate the bread and they drank the wine. I shall not drink of this cup again till I, I drink it new with you in the kingdom of heaven. But do ye so, do ye therefore every remembrance of me. We take the bread, we drink the wine, and we do so to remember our Lord Jesus and remember that he came here as a sacrificial lamb. And we represent that in the taking of what many call the Eucharistic symbols, the bread and the wine to remember that Jesus came and sacrificed himself for us. But don't forget, he is also in prayer for us every day. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out, my coming in. You have a good day. This is a, the Lord's day. Every day is the Lord's day, but this is the Lord's day. Sunday, we are called to come to his house to be with our brothers and sisters and to fellowship, to remember that we are thankful. We enter his courts with praise and then we enter his house. We enter the, the, the temple. We enter his temple with worship. Have a blessed day. Be good to one another. Love one another. Kind to one another. We got to keep doing this. We need to practice this and be about our father's business in truth and knowledge and wisdom that comes from him.